Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Differentiate your company by not being another Me Too company, please. It all comes down to your messaging and in everything from your job descriptions to the way you contact people. Today we're tackling this issue. Today's quote, you know, we started doing this about two, three weeks ago, and we've been getting some really good feedback from the listeners. So we're going to keep that one rolling. Uh, Words are empty as the wind are best left unsaid. Any idea who said that, Mr. Matt Charney? Um, I I should probably know. It sounds like Homer. You are spot on, and it's not the cartoon character Homer, by the way. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to disrupt recruiting. Uh, We share insights from top performing entrepreneurs and industry experts and provide proven tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today, our guest is Mr. Matt Charney. Matt is the executive editor and partner for the Recruiting Daily and chief content officer for Allegis Global. Allegis Global is actually one of the largest staffing and recruiting firms in North America. Matt focuses on the intersection of human capital and technology. He has a blog called Snark Attack, which was named one of the top 20 business blogs in the world by World Press, and his work has appeared in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Wired, the Harvard Business Review, Outsource Magazine, and HR Magazine. Matt knows a thing or two about this topic. So, Matt, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So, since you're an expert in messaging, I, you know, I want to learn a little bit from you. So let's hop into this. Um, so let's discuss the problems kind of that are inherent with messaging specific to recruiting. Um, well, so first off, um, I'd like to correct something you said. Like, you know, there's there's no real way to to learn messaging, and there's no real necessary formula in order to to do it right. But that said. Yeah. I think that a lot of the problem in messaging and recruiting comes from two different sources. On the one hand, um, I think that you have a lot of companies who are investing um, quite heavily now in this concept of employer branding, which is the widely seen need to create uh, a differentiation um, in terms of corporate culture and building up as an employer of choice in order to attract talent. And the problem with that is that the approach that many companies are taking to do so is almost the exact same. So what you're seeing are generic office shots, um, copy that really sounds like it was written by a bad ad agency, and really no um, differentiation whatsoever. So I think that there's a lack of um, transparency on this highly polished sort of employer branding side. Uh, that really says nothing of interest or note uh, to passive talent. On the other side, you have obviously the great um, advances that we've made in terms of recruitment automation and now the ability to be able to send out um, emails as if you were a marketer through either, you know, um, various uh, tools like CRMs, uh, obviously, ATSs have those in there, uh, sure. and then you have things like in-mail. Recruiting email has a terrible response rate, and uh, one reason for that certainly is that it is so easy to send that many candidates are being bombarded by it. Yep. And frankly, without any sort of personalization, uh, if it's seen as, as being a, uh, a blast sort of message, then obviously um, 
talent's not taking the time to respond to that, which further uh, exacerbates the problem. So uh, on either side, I would say that if I could sum up the problem succinctly, it is that everything is generic and uh, there seems to be very little to no talking about where the value lies for the candidate. Uh, it generally is uh, very positioned to just talk about the value of working for the company. I couldn't agree with you more. All right. So let's jump back to the first point a little bit, because this is something that I like to talk about quite a bit, which is be creative. There's just a lack of creativity. I get your point of there's no real right way, but why not take a chance and do something different or look at what everybody else is doing and do the opposite when you're in your messaging? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, and certainly, I think that we're starting to see companies, you know, I have a few examples, uh, but none none that are probably recent because obviously the big companies change their employer brands a lot. I've seen quite a lot of job descriptions uh, in particular that seem to not only be doing a good job of conveying what the company is all about, but doing an excellent job of kind of screening uh, out candidates who aren't going to be a good fit both through kind of tone, voice, and style, but also through taking a less inclusive uh, approach to building an employer brand, which I know sounds a little bit a little bit counterintuitive, but at the same time, uh, I think that if you're going for the sort of uh, non-commoditized uh, definition of top talent, which is to say the A players, um, often passive in the industry, yeah. uh, it's saying things like, this job isn't for everyone. It's an extremely competitive company. Really, only the best need to apply you know, if you're just looking for another job, don't even worry about applying. And I think that what I've seen in the companies that have sort of taken that gated approach to building a brand are higher quality applicants, because obviously the more dismissive uh, you are, the more likely people are to try to prove you wrong. Um, sure. And also, obviously, the ability to have less uh, volume of unqualified applicants, which take up a whole lot of recruiters' time. Yeah. And you always want to do something that you're told not to do, right? It's just human nature. Absolutely. So if you tell somebody not to apply unless you're great, you you want to prove people wrong. So I can see well, how that reverse yeah. messaging would, would actually work. But I don't see that too often. You're starting to see that more often with what, larger companies? Yeah. Well, small companies don't tend to do that. Particularly within the tech sector. Yeah. yeah. And particularly in the tech sector as well. Um, a lot on the programming side, which I think really yeah. you know, resonates with that demographic. Yeah, we see that quite a bit because a lot of programmers want to work with really smart people. And Absolutely. Going back to that that messaging piece, I mean, I've always been of the, the mindset of don't follow what Google does. I mean, it's like the people who are all running Google interviews and they were small startups. They were trying to emulate what Google does. It works for Google, but it doesn't necessarily work for you as a small company. I think that that is largely true. The thing that uh, I, I think is humorous when people look at Google as sort of a paragon of hiring efficiency and best practices, yeah. I mean, obviously, from an employer brand perspective, I can't think of another company that has ever had a feature-length employer branding video, sorry, like Owen Wilson, <laughs> ever made, right? Yeah. Like, that, 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 that has some, some cachet. But when you actually like kind of look at the numbers, not only is Google obviously paying well above market, as well as their famous benefits package in order to attract talent, um, which right there says you're going to have an upper hand when you can pay more than the competition. Absolutely. At the same time, if you break it down um, of the Fortune 500, the only company that has a retention rate worse than Google's 
is, is Massachusetts Mutual Insurance. And obviously, most of their workforce is like commission-only insurance salespeople, as opposed to Google, where you have very highly skilled people. So with an average tenure of 2.2 years at that company, I don't know that that's, you know, a model you want to emulate if having people who are going to be there for the long haul and really committed to helping build something at, at a small business, I would actually say stay away from those methodologies. I totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I think it's silly to try to emulate something that successful and that big at that scale because you're not there as, a, as an entrepreneur or small business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not only can you not probably compete with money, but uh, you're going to be burning it uh, <laughs> yeah. to the same role again and again and again. Well, you can, and we do. We we're pretty successful in helping people to hire people independent of the money because we're creating scenarios where it's a win-win situation for both people. But most companies don't have that luxury or aren't able to convey that to prospective employees as well. So you've got to build in some sort of mechanism on the messaging side for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and furthermore, if you hire for the money as a rule. It's real easy to somebody yeah, else. Somebody else with a bigger right? wallet's going to come in and buy them from you. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's, it's a terrible premise to recruit off of anyway. All right, let's talk about your second point that you brought up. Let's talk about that a little bit further. Uh, sure. So we're talking about personalizing messages. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I think that one of the things that uh, I'm going to obviously every context, uh, just uh, every comment that I say on this topic is going to be specific to skilled or highly experienced talent mm-hmm. that there's a, a little bit more finite supply of than, let's say, high volume uh, or, or entry-level sort of up sort of roles. So sure. um, with that caveat in mind, the, the thing that I think companies are making the fundamental mistake in is they're relying on technologies from CRMs, which we've already discussed, to, uh, you know, recruitment advertising, targeted like social advertising in many cases and really aggressively opening up a funnel of applicants without really um, understanding that in recruiting, at the end of the day, you have a job to make one hire. So it's not necessarily a volume game. So while we're tempted to blast out messages and try to you know, get as many impressions and as high reach as possible with our candidates under the assumption that, you know, it'll act as a funnel and you'll be able to kind of move those through process. If, if you're looking just statistically at the finite amount of talent that's going to be qualified for a lot of skilled roles, take something like, you know, even a accountant in Los Angeles, for example. Sure. Like, if, if you need somebody with GL, uh, AP and AR skills, uh, that, that's actually kind of hard to find, and it's, it's a fairly competitive market for for you know that particular skill set. Yeah. So knowing that you're only going to have, let's say at most five thousand people who could qualify for the job, and then maybe of those another hundred who are going to be interested, available and recruitable. So um, as you whittle those down, it just makes sense to really sort of target on, uh, you know, the qualified, interested, and available candidates that you surface. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming across these people on, as you're sourcing them or even through an application, uh, to me, then just following that up or trying to engage with them via mass messaging, as you would any other candidate at that point in the process, which is what we often default to, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That, no, and it, if you and have it doesn't work. It doesn't work no. at all. 
No. And, and, and the response rates are so low. I mean, you know, you'll luck, be lucky to get 10% response rate. That's absolutely right. And, yeah. and, and, and most recruiters just looking at a profile or a resume will know instantly if that candidate's going to be placeable for that role or, or any other sort of role. So it, it really just makes sense in my mind, to open up a conversation, because the worst case scenario, Boom. if you're able to engage with the candidate, is that they're not interested now, but you've opened up a window for f further communication. Um, you said the magic and, words there, in my mind, which is your, your job isn't really to recruit them for the role, it's to open up communication. That's absolutely right, and that's yeah. why, I, you know, I think we discussed this a little bit earlier, but yeah. one of the tactics that I highly advocate using and I found to be very successful is to have the initial outreach not be about a specific role with those, those targeted group of candidates, but instead to sort of have a conversation that's geared towards referrals. Because, uh, you know, A players know A players. Generally within smaller geographically bound industries, everyone kind of knows everyone. And so if you can at least be able to open up an avenue for referrals, then if the conversation's going well, you've established credibility um, as someone you know, then when you have a specific position that that person you think would be a fit for and they also would be interested, then not only are they reading the position, they'll throw their hat in the ring if they're interested. So to me, it's sort of a win-win, easy approach to not only building a network, but building a slate as well. All right, I want to delve into this a little bit deeper. If you're just joining us live on the live stream or joining us now on the podcast, you're listening to Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and our guest is Matt Charney. He's the executive editor and partner of Recruiting Daily and the chief content officer of Allegis Global Solutions. So today we're all talking about messaging. Let's dig into this a little bit deeper because, you know, so referral mindset is also a good way to do it. But I actually take a different approach to this, Matt. I, I go from the, the perspective of that most people have some sort of career wound, so to speak. And if I can open that up and get them talking about it, then there's a potential that even though they're not looking or they don't think that they're unhappy, there's a potential that that person can develop into a candidate. Yeah, no, I absolutely couldn't Quite a bit agree different. more. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think, you know, either of those approaches, the end goal is the same, yeah. which is to get on their radar. And if they are unhappy uh, in their role, either of those sort of ends will get the same goal, which is you'll be top of mind if they're working and you'll be able to open up the avenue for a second conversation. Absolutely. And Gallup just came out with their updated poll like not too long ago, and 71% of the U.S. workforce is disenchanted or disengaged in their current role. That means 7 out of 10 people should be talking to you. If, if you're, you're a good recruiter, right? 10 out of 10 people should be talking that, to you. That's and true. that's where the personalization comes in, right? Gosh, I guess I'm not a good recruiter. I only get about 8, eight out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, were, if you were perfect, then uh, <laughs> probably would be uh, closing a rec right now, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be hosting a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So let's, let's talk about fixing the message because I think this is a really important piece that or fixing this messaging so it's more tailored toward the individual and not blast out content. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that uh, the killer app for recruiting uh, remains the phone. And, and Boom. You, you know, uh, yeah, and I think that <laughs> you, you said it earlier, Zig, when the other people zag. Yeah. It's very rarely utilized at all in recruiting today. And in fact, 
the bigger companies certainly are moving towards this direction of candidates won't even interact with humans until they're set up for an interview through, you know, automatic scheduling and stack ranks, you know, resume reviews and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, so, so Which I'm like, all for, and I think it's the most fantastic thing in the world. It gives all the smaller companies competitive advantage. Oh, no, I, I couldn't agree more. But at yeah. the same time, that focus on, on automation leaves a huge window of opportunity sure. to build some personal connections up funnel. And I, and I think that the phone is a great way to do that, particularly with, um, with highly skilled candidates uh, who you're targeting, right? Because if you're able to get them on the phone, then you're able to build trust, show that you're a real person and that you care about them. Yeah. And it's unlikely that they'll have had another phone conversation with a recruiter, uh, at least one that's not just transactional. Well, even if you're hiring a janitor, I think it's still pretty important that you have personal connection with people. I mean, we're oh, in yeah, the no, people I, business. I to me, automating everything that's unrelated to developing the relationship makes sense. But trying to automate everything up to the point where you get somebody in for an interview, we're, we're just trying to gummy proof it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a really nice way of putting it. All right. How do we target? There's a range of different tools out there. A lot of them, if you are working with an applicant tracking system, can work directly with that environment, hiring solved, Intello, some point solutions that will kind of just go through all the candidates in your ATS and augment them with social profile information and links so that they're dynamic as opposed to kind of static records. Because if you use an email address to apply for a job, that's probably email address you use to set up Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. So these can kind of just automate going through and finding out uh, and aggregate as much information as possible about that candidate before you even you know make uh, make contact. So if we're talking about to preparation to tools to make sure that essentially we're, we're getting to the right people. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or, you know, um, you have something like Spokio, which, which essentially will be able to show you all of the information down to the person's birth date, right, uh, that's publicly available on record. All of that's good context, which is to say every email client out there, you will see a subject line, and you'll see a few lines of intro, and that's really going to be in that preview about the amount of real estate you get before they decide whether to open it or not. Yeah. So I say focus on a really compelling headline and then instantly. So give me an example. Like what would you consider to be a, a really compelling headline? Yeah. So like, you know, anything that shows that, I, I mean, compelling is actually subjective, right? So <laughs> I, I would be interested in something that would say like, uh, read the, open, if you open this email, my tracking system shows that you win $50, right? That would be compelling. But all, all right. But all that For is, somebody who's yeah. money motivated, yeah. Well, or, or period, right? Yeah. Um, open an email, get get something. But all that is to say, I think taking away stupid tricks like that, if the person has an active social profile, which in a lot of cases that I work with, they, they do, whether that's, that's Twitter or LinkedIn, to a certain extent, Facebook, yeah. uh, a lot of the times the, the software will obviously be able to display their most recent few tweets. Let's say uh, I generally like to target people who are on Twitter because they respond quickly uh, yeah. on that network. So so if I'm showing that they're a tweet, uh, like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say something like, saw your most recent tweet on, uh, on that WSJ article, found it really interesting, would love to talk. Then you've at least shown that this isn't a blast. You've looked them up and have some point of reference, and you want to know what they're about. Similarly, like, you know, I use this as an example. 
Um, I was trying to get a job at Warner Brothers in the recruiting group because it was really close to my house and I wanted to work for a studio. And I saw they had a job open. I figured out who the hiring manager was and cold open with a email saying, I think that UConn is going down this year. Uh, no way can they repeat as national champs. Huh. I had done that because I'd looked at the hire, the person who was responsible for hiring. It graduated from UConn in 1996, ah. the year they won a national championship in basketball. So putting those two together, I assumed that they were a huge college basketball fan. My phone rang later for that day for an interview, and I believe that interview mostly consisted of uh, us talking about college basketball. I got the job very quickly. So being able to build an affinity like that, invaluable and relatively easy to do if, if you can just kind of put together the pieces like that. Uh, so really gone, gone are the ways of spam emails. I mean, you just got to stop doing it. You have to stop doing blanketed messaging trying to reach people because if you've got something, so you're putting in a topic something like, you know, Yukon's going down, you're going to get an open on that probably, right? Because oh, yeah. you've taken the time to investigate who that person is. You know, what's interesting is I, I like to use humorous ones where I, I had one that I was running for a little while. I got really good success rate on. The title was In Need of a Superhero with a question mark. And it's kind of confusing, but if I'm going after engineers, engineers tend to be into superheroes or, you know, you can use a Star Wars theme or it's just a general. It worked out. It, it worked really well for me. Yeah, I don't use that anymore. Creative. But, yeah. yeah, well, anything creative, obviously, is going to uh, be differentiated. I'll give you a, a trick for if you absolutely have to send to a list how to get near 100% open rate. Oh, let's do it. Uh, yeah, so uh, you, you only get to do this once, by the way, so make sure you like it and save it for a good time. <laughs> you send two emails in quick succession. One is the email with whatever message you actually want read uh -huh. with, let's say, a generic subject line. And then about five minutes after that, Send a email in all caps that says, please disregard previous email. Do not open. They, you'll 100% of the time get 100% open. on <laughs> Because you told them email. not to? Because you told them not to open it, and it looks like a mistaken send. I love that. I mean, if you have to do it, why not? Yeah, it's, it's uh, literally literally the, the best response you'll get. The other thing I will say, if you do have to go towards automation, and there's a whole lot of, you know, both recruiting and general platforms to do this, uh, everything from Twilio to Text Recruit. Um, SMS still works extremely well. Uh, it's I'm huge. I'm not backing away. I get, about, yeah, I get about 80% response rate via text. Yeah, yeah, it. exactly. 80% response rate for email is unheard of, right? So yeah. you kind of just contextualize that. And the other thing is that people respond to text. Uh, no, really, no matter what it is, within the first 90 seconds, uh, as a rule. Yep. And you'll never see those responses with an email. Nope. So if you uh, are looking at ways to build to scale and get your message out there, definitely I would say look at SMS automation capabilities as opposed to email, uh, which is unlikely to lead to a lot of return. So what kind of messaging should somebody use in text? Like what do you, what do you see it's irrelevant, actually. I, I mean, I would say, like, it, it could be as simple as an opt-in, like, saw your profile. If you would be interested in updates for tech careers at this company, reply with one for yes. They still respond to that. And then you've added huh? somebody to an email list. Yeah, because huh. it's, 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 it's as easy as just hitting one send, right? So mine's usually more targeted where I say, hey, it's Rick Gerard. No, I'm talking about campaign-wise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, obviously, same personalization of the rules of email yeah. would apply uh, if it's a one-on-one -on -one text, but I would say start with a voicemail as opposed to text if you're doing that. Got it. So we've come to the conclusion that text is probably the best messaging platform for getting responses. For, for, 
Yes, it's, it's by scale. far. Absolutely. So do you see larger companies actually doing a lot of work in the text like messaging space? I mean, is that where they're getting a lot of their traction from, or is that how they're recruiting these days? Uh, yes, certainly a lot of uh, the high-volume roles in particular mm-hmm. are moving almost to a solely app-based approach. So you're getting things like push notifications, everything done through SMS, you know, particularly around like shift or contractor sort of work. Uh, but then you have larger companies, obviously, you know, who are using a lot of these tools directly through their applicant tracking system. So even to the point of where ISIMS, which is, you know, uh, ACS that a lot of enterprise clients globally use, they bought a company called TextRecruit specifically to enable uh, that capability to be done within the ACS. And there are a lot of other integrations and point solutions to enable that. So you're really starting to see an uptick in that usage although not as much as you would probably think given the proof of concept that's already in existence. So it's funny, I I remember meeting with a client a few weeks back and they were saying that they had a recruiter who was very proud of the fact that the recruiter would never meet or talk to anybody until they were in the actual interview. My thought was that that just seemed really silly because I think he missed out on a lot of good people that way. I, I think so as well. And all that tells, you know, a candidate, if I was, you know, in consideration for a role there, is that I'm going to have no access to this person whatsoever. Yeah. And this is a highly bureaucratic and inefficient company with no FaceTime. I'm <laughs> glad you said that, not me. What would you say would be the biggest takeaway that you can give regarding messaging? So, yeah, I, you know, I think that in recruiting, there's a tendency to overcomplexify yeah. um, the goal of hiring. And I think that there's a lot of solution providers kind of rushing the market with answers to a question that, not, you know, may or may not have already been asked by uh, the recruiters. But at the end of the day, it, it's still the same game that it always is, which is every rec you open, you can only make one hire. Yep. So if you're able to kind of get rid of the overcomplexifying and, and, and looking at tech as this answer to your problems and really doubling down on process and practices that are old school, which is high touch um, and personalized, then you're going to be more successful than somebody with the most advanced HR tech stack out there. So if you can be yourself, that is one distinct differentiation that you will have that no other recruiter can replicate. And you know what? It's proven that people who have high activity on the phone are usually the highest producers. So pick up the phone, people. You know, my takeaway would be that, you know, you don't need a long messaging. I think that you just need short, concise things that are targeted toward that person. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with finding something on somebody's LinkedIn profile and customizing that message to who they are. And if you can hit somebody that way, it shows that you took the time to do it. You get a response. And that's such a better impression that you're leaving with that person, too, that you took the time to see who they were before you just blasted out an email. Absolutely. Would you agree? All right. So we're just about out of time for today's show. Matt, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, I know that you are quite active uh, in the community. Uh, What's the best way for people to reach you? And where are you next? Because I know you give lots of talks and you're pretty, pretty out. Yeah. So um, let's see. My uh, best way to reach me is is probably on Twitter at Matt Sharney. Okay. Um, I I generally tend to... And that's C-H-A-R-N-E-Y? C-H-A-R-N-E-Y or Matt at recruitingdaily.com if you want to do the email, but I'm about as responsive as your candidates, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're very responsive on Twitter. I see you all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the next thing I'll be at, 
because uh, they moved it up about a month from where it normally is, is uh, HR Tech. So uh, pretty excited uh, about that in Las Vegas in a couple weeks. Oh, very cool. So you're not going to be at the big California HR thing in Long Beach this week coming up? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I uh, since I live uh, in Texas now, ah. I probably won't make it to that one, but I will be doing the regional Orange County event uh, coming up here first week of November. So. All right, well, when you're here, let me know. We'll go grab a drink and, and sit down and talk some story. Sounds good. Look forward to it, and thanks so much again for having me. Absolutely. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review our show. Your uh, input is welcome and needed to improve the content for you. Join our community at Hire, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O dot com. You can also find us by searching Higher Power Radio on iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and YouTube. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at Higher Power Radio Show, or you can follow me on Twitter, since we're going Twitter theme today, at Rick underscore Gerard. So tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Chris Dyer. Chris is the founder and CEO of People G2, and he just had a new book that came out on culture, which is uh, about halfway through, and it's pretty uh, eye-opening. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.